Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hi, this is Dr. Ivan Meisner, founder of BNI. Hi, this is John Rulin, author of Giftology. And if you want to learn how to network effectively, if you want to build relationships the right way, you should be listening to Build Your Network. Build Your Network. With my good friend, Travis Chappell. Travis Chappell. Welcome back to the show. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know. If you agree, then keep on listening for tips on how to cultivate meaningful connections the right way. If you disagree, then tune in anyway to let me prove you wrong with my journey. My name is Travis Chapel, and this is the Build Your Network Podcast. I know you probably have a thousand of these, but can you tell us about one specific time in your life when a connection led to a moment of success? Yeah, absolutely. I've written about this in a couple of my books and on my blog. For your listeners, if you like some of this content that I'm talking about, go to IvanMeisner.com and you'll see one of the very first blogs I wrote back in 2007, which is addresses this question perfectly. I write about what I call the butterfly effect of networking. How when you meet one person, you know, the butterfly effect is a part of chaos theory, which is a, a part of the math, field of mathematics, which basically says that the flapping of the wings of a butterfly changes some minute thing in the environment, which changes something, which changes something, which changes something, which changes the weather. I believe that's a great analogy for networking because one connection in your life, you just, you have no idea where that can lead to. And the classic example for me, and I wrote about it live in 2007 on my blog, and I called it the butterfly effect of networking, was the fact that I had been invited for a week to Necker Island with Richard Branson. Oh, wow. And yeah, it was awesome. And I uh, since had an opportunity to go back a couple of years ago, but that process started when I, I spent a week on Necker with Branson, started two and a half years earlier, where someone reached out to me 
And they were just a business coach and not a real well-known person, not a huge following, very successful. But she asked me for a favor. And that favor fit the kinds of things that I wanted to do. So I said, yes, which led to another connection, which led to another connection, which led to a relationship, which led to a really good relationship, which led to being invited to Necker Island. That whole process took two and a half years. Wow. And what I suggest to people is, you know, when you're meeting people, don't size them up as to whether they can do anything for you. Size them up as to whether they're a quality business professional, because you never know who they know, and you never know who they might introduce you to. And that's exactly what happened to me and how I got invited to Necker the first time and the second time. I think that's such an important insight is not sizing people up like that. Because I think that is something that a lot of people definitely do is they look at the person that they're you know going to meet or not going to meet and they think about, well, what can this person specifically do for me instead of vice versa? And then they right. don't make the connection. But I mean, you did not make that one relationship because you knew in two and a half years from now, I'm going to meet Richard Branson. <laughs> you know, no, it just kind of no. happened that way. And that that's an incredible, incredible incredible story. Let's talk about that just a little bit more if we can, because this is really powerful. When you meet someone, we as humans, it's natural. It's natural. So if you're listening to this, you go, yeah, I do that. Don't feel alone. I have done it. I work hard not to do it. But it's very natural to look at someone and size them up, as you said. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. We're almost never even. We almost always look at someone and we either think this person can't do anything for me, or we think, oh, this person's way out of my league. And we make decisions based on those two scenarios as a rule. And those decisions either way are not good. Because if you're meeting somebody who you don't think can help you, but you're not willing to have a conversation, you never know. I have got tons of stories about people who ignored other people who ended up being, you know, really the very contact they needed. Meeting somebody who's really successful and you get intimidated by it and you don't do the things that you need to do there, that doesn't work either. So comparing yourself alone without understanding how to network effectively with that person is is generally not a good idea. Yeah. With that being so important, and you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier when you were saying that you never learned how to network in college. It was just something that you yeah. thought business professionals, you know, they just did. But then you started doing this BNI chapters and started realizing that nobody really knew how to. Why do you no. think that so many people fail at doing this super, super important aspect of life? Because they're not taught in school. And so what happens is they go out into the real world and everybody says you need to network. Honestly, they think networking is about face-to-face cold calling. Hi, Travis, my name's Ivan. Let's do business. Yeah. And they use it as a face-to-face cold calling opportunity. I remember a few years ago, I had a chance to speak in London and it was at a big event, networking event, and, and I was the keynote. And I did this keynote, 900 people, and I asked them two questions. I said, how many of you are here today? Raise your hands if you're hoping to, you know, maybe just possibly sell something. Travis, 900 people raised their hands. (laughs) Everybody. I said, cool. Thank you. Second question. How many of you are here today hoping to, you know, maybe just possibly buy something? No one raised their hands. Wow. Not one single person. This is what I call the networking disconnect. People show up at networking events wanting to sell, but nobody is there to buy. And that's why many people leave a networking organization, go home, and they feel like they need to take a shower because yeah. you know, it's been slimed. Right. Yeah. That actually leads in perfectly to my next question for you. And that's 
one thing that I like to stress the most is that probably the biggest mistake that I see people make when they network is exactly that. They are constantly asking for things in return. And they're they're that guy at the networking event that's got 10,000 business cards in his back pocket and three Sharpies <laughs> in his front pocket and wants to, you know what I mean? And they, they're constantly looking to take, 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 and take. What is your experience with that? And then what are some practical ways that you try to add more value to the people that you meet than you receive? So listen, networking is more about farming than it is about hunting. It's about cultivating relationships with other business people. And so sometimes people say to me, if you're not going there to sell, then why are you there? And the answer to that answers your question. I think you are there to build relationships based on something that I teach. It's the foundation of everything I teach. I call it the VCP process. VCP, it stands for visibility, credibility, profitability. In networking, you have to first be visible. People have to know who you are and what you do. Then you can move to credibility where people know who you are, they know what you do, and they know you're good at it. And that takes time. That's the one that takes time. But when you get there, that's when you get to profitability where people know who you are, they know what you do, they know you're good at it, and they're willing to give you referrals on an ongoing reciprocal basis. So when you go to networking events, what you want to do is work through the VCP process. So when you're meeting someone for the first time who you've never met before, it's all about visibility. And so at visibility, one of the things you really need to do is it's way more important to be interested than interesting. Hmm. Good networker has two ears and one mouth and should use them both proportionately. Listen, get to know people. They'll ask about you. And if they don't, that's not the kind of person you want to network with. So create some visibility. Then when you're at those networking events, you still have to work on your credibility. But so there may be people that you've met many times that are there. Go back and reconnect with them. Hey, it's good to see you again. And that's part of the credibility developing phase. And at those events, there might be a handful of people that you do regular business with. And you definitely want to connect with those people and say, hey, you know, how'd that project go that you're working on or that referral that I gave you? And so you're constantly working through the VCP process. That's what networking is all about. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash 
Travis. Just go to Indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. I know we've talked about a, a couple different ones so far, but if you had to boil it down to just one networking tip, what would that be? So the secret to success in networking in one tip, you ready? Yes, definitely. There is no one secret. <laughs> Dang. It's always a recipe. It's always a recipe. And so part of that recipe is understanding the VCP process. Part of that recipe is understanding how to introduce yourself effectively. Part of that recipe is understanding how to follow up effectively. It really truly is a recipe. It's like anything in life. Tell me a hobby that you've got that you really like, Travis. Golf. Golf. What's the one secret? Nothing else. One secret that'll make you successful in golf. Only one. <laughs> Man, I, <laughs> I think it's more it of a recipe. Tough, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a recipe. It yeah. always is. So the question is, which things are more important? And the answer to that is, it depends on what your strengths and weaknesses are. And so it, just like in golf, maybe you got to have a great long game, but your short game is horrible. And so you got to be working on the short game. But or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe, you know, your short game is awesome, but, you know, you need a lot of work on hitting it from the tee. Mm -hmm. So it really depends on where you're at as to what the answer is for the right recipe. But it's always a recipe of things. By the way, I think this is one of the problems in today's society. We want a 140 character answer to complex problems. Mm -hmm. And people who give you a 140 character answer to a complex problem are lying to you. Well, it's like those people who say you don't have to work hard to be successful. I think that's a lie. I think the secret to success without hard work is still a secret. Mm. And you have to apply this a recipe that fits your needs in order to be successful at anything. Okay, I'm going to step off my soapbox now. <laughs> okay. And you brought up one thing that I kind of want to dive into a little bit. One of those aspects that you threw into that recipe was how to introduce yourself effectively can you yeah. talk a little bit into that? Because I think that's one of the biggest struggles that people face is they just don't know what to say to somebody when they go talk to them. So here's the first thing you say. Hi, my name's Ivan. Tell me about what you do. That's the first thing you got to do. And people don't get that. They start launching into sales mode. And it goes back to the two ears and one mouth and being interested instead of interesting. So tell me about what you do. What do you specialize in? What's your target market? What are some of the things you love about what you do? Just get somebody to open up and talk to you. And then there's one or two really good questions to ask to wrap up. But your question was, what do you say about yourself? So when it's your opportunity after they've had a chance to talk, and if you're talking to somebody who is a good networker, they're going to ask you, so enough about me. Tell me what you do. I think it's really important to have pretty tight USP, a unique selling proposition, something that in just a few words says who you are and what you do. One of my favorites is the Referral Institute. They say, we help people create referrals for life. Hmm. Now, that's a great phrase because people, when you say that, we help people create referrals for life, you go, well, how do you do that? That leads to another question. How do you do that? Right. Also, when you can tell you have a good, unique selling proposition, if they pass the eyebrow test. Okay. Now, this is something that was first described by a good friend of mine, Sam Horn. And the way it goes is, the eyebrow test works like this. If you say, we help people create referrals for life and their eyebrows scrunch down, you've just confused them. <laughs> they have no idea what you mean. On the other hand, if their eyebrows go up, oh, how do you do that? You got their attention. And that's a great USP. So my advice to people is practice with different USPs. They should be no more than about 10 or 12 words. 
and practice and watch the response. Listen and watch for the response. And if the response, both verbally and visually, is positive, then you've landed on an effective USP where you can then go into more depth about what it is that you do. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Besides Richard Branson, because we already talked a little bit about him, who is the most interesting or influential person that you've been able to meet through a series of connections and networking? Well, listen, hands down, uh, Branson is probably one of the most interesting for so many reasons. I could spend 30 minutes talking about just stories about him and how impressed I am with him. But I think one of the other people that I've developed a really good relationship with and I have a lot of respect for is Jack Canfield, who wrote the Chicken Soup for the Soul series and the Success Principles book. I love Jack. I've gotten to know him really well. And I'll tell you one of the things I really like about Jack is that his ego does not enter a room before him. You know, you meet a lot of people so where their ego yeah. enters before they do. And uh, here's a guy that sold three quarters of a billion books. That is insane. The chickens. Yeah. And he's just like real down to earth kind of guy. So that's another one that I really have a lot of respect for. Who is the best networker that you know and why? Well, listen, we've already talked about Branson, but I'd honestly say he's one of the best. And I'll tell you why. He can connect with people at all levels of an organization. One minute he can be talking to a head of state. And I knew when I was on Necker, he had to fly out for a meeting with a public official. And then the next day he was talking and I was present for it to a minimum wage laborer on one of his islands and made him feel like what he was doing was the most important job on the island. I saw it with my own two eyes. And so, you know, is that networking? Yeah, I think it's also leadership. Yeah. But uh, amazing skill set. I really admired how he is able to talk to people at all levels of an organization. Doesn't matter how much money they make, he connects with them. Yeah, that's incredible. When you first met him, can you kind of walk us through that whole process? Like what your thought process was, how you introduced yourself and what kind of happened from there? I met him on the island, but the first time I spoke one-to-one with him was I had to write that blog that I mentioned and I had a deadline for it that day and he walked by and he it was in the great room of Necker Island. And in 2007, there was the only place where they had the internet. And I'm trying to write this blog and he walked by and he goes, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> and I said, I said, well, I got to write a blog. I have a deadline and it's, you know, it's got to be done in the next uh, couple hours. He's like, oh, I get deadlines. But look, when you're done, come on down. We're all down by the ocean. We're having a blast. Come on down and join us. And if I don't see you, sit next to me at dinner and tell me a little bit more about what you do. I'd like to know, learn more about you. And he walked off. And I remember sitting there in the great room of Necker Island thinking, damn, how did I get here? Yeah. How did I get here? What brought me to this point in my life where a billionaire walks up and says, hey, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, come on out and play. And that was my first conversation with him. And that's what ended up becoming that blog back in 2007. And what was your answer to yourself when you thought about how'd you get there? It was a butterfly effect because I was struggling to write the article. I had no idea what I was going to write. And then when he walked out, I thought, how did I get here? And what I did was I reversed engineered step-by-step. Who invited me to Necker? Who introduced me to that person? How did I meet that person before them? How did I meet that person before? And it went back two and a half years, Travis, to that person that I told you asked me for a favor. Two and a half years. So incredible. It is incredible. And I'll tell you what you do. And you ever have a butterfly moment, you got to do this. You realize you're having a butterfly moment. You're talking to somebody you've always wanted to meet. You got to reverse engineer it to the person that started the first flapping of the wings. Hmm. Then you got to pick up the phone and call them and thank them 
for whatever it is they did. I called Kim, the person who made the first introduction or first request for me. And I said, Kim, this is Ivan. She's like, Ivan, I haven't seen you in a long time. How are you doing? I'm like, I just wanted to thank you for introducing me to Richard Branson. And, and she, <laughs> she, she, you can just hear this dead silence on the phone. She's like, I don't know, oh, Richard. Wrong Branson. Kim, Ivan. <laughs> yeah. I had told her the story and she was blown away. So you got to gratitude, man. You got to thank the person that started the ball rolling. Ivan, honestly, I could talk to you for another couple of hours about all this stuff, but we're unfortunately uh, running out of time here. So I'll get to the last question of this segment and move on to another one. If you moved to a new place and you lost all of your current contacts, what would you do at that point to start rebuilding your network? I'd go to a BNI meeting. Hands down, no joke. And there was actually a TV show out of London called The Last Millionaire. And that's exactly what someone did. They were dropped off in Hong Kong, had no contacts, $100, and they had to start a business. And they went to a BNI meeting and in this competition beat everyone else because they had this ready-made network in place. I'd do that in a heartbeat. Wow. Well, that definitely takes that from a hypothetical question into a real world experience. So couldn't, yeah. couldn't think of a better answer for that. Tell us about a time when a connection in your life led to a moment of success. Yeah. So I would say that, you know, one of my favorite stories to share involves, and, I, and I'll give the abbreviated version, but it's in the book. It involves somebody I met at an EO conference. Entrepreneurs Organization is an organization I joined about 10 years ago. I met somebody that I felt like I didn't want him just as a client. I wanted him as a mentor, advisor, a referral partner, uh, everything. Like he was just everything that he spoke out of his mouth was gold. In his bio, like found out like he had grown two different or three different companies from like single digits to over a hundred million in revenue. Wow. So I was like, this is a guy I need in my corner. And one of the companies was a junk company. One hundred got junk, but he was the CEO of that company when they just, you know, grew out of the stratosphere and were top. I think top two companies of all of Canada work for and just amazing. So I was like, I went up to him after I heard him speak and was like, Hey, I hear you come to Cleveland, which is where I was living at the time. And I was like, I, I, I'm thinking like I have Cavs tickets, really good seats, LeBron, you know, everything. And we'll go out to a steak dinner. Like I'm, I, I'm going to blow this guy away with my hospitality. Cause I would hear that he was coming to Cleveland. I said, Hey, you know, I hear you come to Cleveland to speak da, 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 and, and Hey, I got these seats in town. Do you want to go the night before? And I'm expecting him to be like, yeah, it sounds amazing. And his response was, I don't really have anything else going on. Sure, I guess I'll go. And I'm like, deflated inside, I'm deflated. I'm like, you know, in hindsight, it's like, duh, like the same playbook everybody tries to do to build relationships. But at the time I was deflated. I'm like, that's not going to be my, you know, like the magic wow. So I said, what else are you going to do in your town? He said, well, I, I, my favorite store in the world is Brooks Brothers and, and they don't have a lot of them in Canada. So I'm going to go there. And, uh, and shop for a bunch of clothes. And so on the spot, I'm like thinking, this is my angle. I said, uh, what's your shirt size? I want to send you a shirt. I'm a Jose Bank guy. And he looked at me kind of weird, like, dude, you got a, like a crush on me? Like, this is weird <laughs> to ask him your shirt size. Like, within like two minutes of meeting, but he was, you know, he was nice and polite. He didn't say that, but his face did. So I called my business partner. I'm like, we got to do this idea. And uh, he's like, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. And so I'm like, yeah, you're right. That's so expensive. Like, <laughs> I could never do that. And so the day he's supposed to be flying in, like three months later, he's like, starts texting me. My flight's delayed. I think I'm going to miss my connection. Do you just want to cancel the the outing? He's like trying to get out of the, you know, going to the game and stuff. And I'm like, no, we'll go to half the game, even if, you know, or we'll just go to dinner. Like, who, who cares about the game? And so I call my partner back. I'm like, we got to do this thing. And he said, uh, I still, still think it's stupid. If it doesn't work, it's coming out of your personal draw. 
I'm like, fine. Like I believe in it that much. So I drive up to Brooks Brothers, put the Amex down and put the sizes down. I say, I want one of everything in the new fall collection, all your jackets, pants, sweaters, shoes, everything. It ended up being $7,000 in clothes. Oh and we went and outfitted his, his room at the Ritz to look like a Brooks Brothers store. And Cameron got in after, you know, Cameron Harold, author of Double Double, whatever else, but he hadn't written the book at the time. He gets in and uh, he's like one of those travel days from, you know, just horrible. And he, why did I ever agree to this stupid dinner and a ball game was written all over his face? And so I said, Cameron, go get a shower, take time, come back down whenever you're ready. He comes back down about 25 minutes later and he's glowing. He said, John, whatever you want to talk about for as long as you want to talk about it, I'm all yours. He's like, I've never had anybody treat me this way. He's like, I've called authors already. I texted pictures. I changed quotes to the best experience. And you fast forward over the last 10 years, he's opened up doors to the president of Starbucks and done things that, you know, a million dollars in advertising couldn't do. You know, we're, our speaking fee is now 20 grand. And one of the main reasons is because he believed in me early on and started recommending me as a speaker and, and mentioning me from stages and, you know, sending, you know, he became a client, started sending out the gifts to all of his clients. Like, and he flies over to, you know, like he's sending me pictures in first class of like, hey, I'm wearing the jacket. And he's on his way to Dubai or like Qatar to like coach like the 300 companies that are owned by the Sheikh of Qatar. Like just crazy stuff. That's incredible. He's become one of my biggest allies because of that one experience. And I know this is a super hypothetical question, John, but I like to ask it just to get people kind of thinking about what could have happened. If you had never made that one connection and cultivated that one relationship, how far behind in your story do you think that you would be at this point? Yeah, it's a good question. And it's those what ifs are always really difficult, but I think that it'd be pretty significant. I think my speaking fee would be a lot less. Maybe I wouldn't have a book out yet. You know, definitely relationships and mastermind groups. Like I'm in mastermind talks, which is one of the top mastermind groups on the planet like harder to get into than Harvard statistically. And so like there's groups like that, that he's been influential in there's introductions, there's, you know, success within EO, just being around people like that, that are world-class at what they do and as a speaker and a thought leader Yeah, and just kind of like, you know, like when you have like a board of advisors or kind of like your inner circle of people that you're like, it causes you to raise to a different level just in all areas of your life. So, mm. so I don't know specifically, because there's, it's always a serendipitous, a number of things that all kind of work together, but there's no question that income wise and, and just some of the things that have happened over the last 10 years, I would say, I mean, you know, at least a few years behind, if not, maybe never reaching some of the points based upon those nudges or just kind of the confidence to take that next leap. Right. Right. And the reason I like to ask that is because it leads perfectly into this next question. So with that being said, with relationship building being so important for reaching high levels of success in your life, why do you think that so many people fail at doing this very, very important task? Two things. One, I think they hold back. You know, one of our core principles is when you're doing something with somebody like ask yourself the question, what's the most I can do in this situation? Most people ask themselves, what's the least I can get away with? And so I think they hold back five or 10 or 50% of what they could be doing, whether it's gifting, whether it's what they put into a note, whether it's how they treat somebody or, you know, the type of event that they take them to or the experience that they bring to the table. And so I think they hold back. I think is a significant portion of why they fail. And I think that most people, you know, like you're like, oh man, it's amazing. it must be great to have a best-selling book and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, like I'm like an overnight 17 year success. <laughs> like 
you know, like, so I think that a lot of it is, you know, everybody wants to write the book and have everything happen within the first year of them going out and doing something. And the simple fact for me has been like, you know, there are elements of like, I don't think I would have been ready had this, some of these things happened, you know, 10 years ago, like there's a process and, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk and a lot of guys talk about like, it's the long game, like playing it for the long game. Not that you don't hustle and you don't work hard, but I think a lot of times people are like, I want to hit it big when I'm 25. And it's like, that sometimes happens. I'm not saying, I'm not discounting that you can't like build something amazing in three years. But I think if you look at most you know, situations of success, they usually take, you know, a decade or they take five years or they take a couple decades or whatever else for everything to kind of play out. And so I think a lot of times people are like, well, I tried that gifting thing once and it didn't work. Or I tried that investment in a mastermind once and it didn't work out. It's like, dude, one time does not mean that you've tried it. Like you got to, you can go all in like a dozen times or a couple dozen times before you're going to say like, yeah, I've really tried it. I really engaged that. And sometimes it's the timing. Like there's times where I've given gifts that have been given back or I've done things and it blew up in my face. Like, you know, we've engraved knives before and it was like the ex-wife's name on the knives. And like, just <laughs> like you know, like there's been challenges. And so I think that a lot of times people aren't willing to do something a few hundred or a few thousand times right. and persist through the suckiness of it to get to the other side and realize like, Oh, you mean you have to like not give up and do things for a while before it's going to work out? Like that's usually the situation for success. It's not always that case. Like there are anomalies, but I think at least for me, it's been that way. Yeah. I read an article that you wrote recently on entrepreneur where you're talking about giving a gift to a mutual friend of ours, John Lee Dumas, uh, entrepreneur on fire. It was incredible to me how you are able to dive into a relationship and find out something that somebody wants and then go get it for them. So, I mean, when you talk to somebody, they don't just tell you everything that they want. What's a way that you found that's efficient to talk to somebody and figure out something that they would really appreciate having or getting from you? Yeah. Well, I think that, I mean, in JLD's case, he mentioned sauna. Like that was like, he has a podcast called Entrepreneur on Fire and my morning routine involves a sauna. So that was a pretty easy one. That was like, that was like a softball being tossed to me. So I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send the guy a sauna and like, and just blow his mind and not asking for anything in return or asking for anything in general. It's just like, this is going to be a fun thing to do. And we've sent, sent, sent other people saunas and it's usually the same response. Like seriously, a sauna is on its way. But I'd say in most cases, like, you know, if you look at giftology, one of the core principles is taking care of the inner circle. And so I think most of the time, 80% of our gifting budget is dialed into taking care of somebody's spouse, their assistant, and their kids, because they're usually not included in most business situations, experiences, golf trips, cigars, all that kind of stuff. And so a dollar invested there has a 100x return. And I know that like I could send the same knife set as long as I do all the timing, the personalization, handwritten note, I could send that same gift to a thousand people. And probably 80% of them are going to be like, wow, this is super thoughtful. It has my name on it, it has my wife's name on it, or my husband's name on it, it has the family name, it has the date. You send it in the middle of like April, like nobody sends anything. We use it every day. Like I could send the same gift based upon acknowledging that person's inner circle. And so a lot of the, the gifts that we use are the same hot buttons over and over again. But most people in business are like, oh, I'm a beer company, so I have to send a beer mug. And it's like, well, that's fine. But everybody in your industry sends beer mugs. So like, why don't you find something else that ties in their spouse and their inner circle and their assistant and do something cool and different that 
doesn't necessarily tie into your business. It goes into a different level and a different angle, but acknowledges their inner circle. And, and doing that you know, allows us to scale and do personalized gifting for our clients. Like when we're, I mean, that's what people do is they outsource all of their gifting for their clients and employees to us. And we know there's like common hot buttons. And if I can bat eight out of 10, like, you know, in my mind, that's double hall of fame. Like I'm never going to bat, no matter what I do, I could send somebody a Lamborghini and somebody might tell me it's the wrong color. Like, so there's some people that are going to be pissed off no matter what you send them, but I'm looking for things that I can send out that if I do all the details around it, right, that I'm going to get that kind of eight out of 10 wow response. And if I do that, then I, you know, I don't care about the 20% that, that maybe are like, ah, it's fine. I care about the 80% that are blown away. Yeah. Yeah. And if you move to a new place, John, you lost all of your current contacts. What would you do at that point to start rebuilding your network? I'd find out who the, the key pillars of the community are that are givers. So people that are not only successful, but they're, they, they have kind of that giver, you know, kind of like Adam Grant talks about give and take, like they're, they're true givers. I would seek those people out and look to add, you know, may, might be five people. I'd look to find a way to add massive value to those five people and get them to be in my corner and, and wanting to advocate for me. I would look to see if there's an EO or YPO or Vistage type chapter in that city to join and become a part of. And I would look to join any other, you know, high level, more exclusive type mastermind groups like a Mastermind Talks or a Cadre in that city. Third thing I would do is I'd take whatever budget I had and you know, from a gifting perspective, I take a, a limited number of people, you know, 10, 20, 30 people, and I'd put them on a drip campaign where once a quarter I'm blasting them with something that's super cool and personalized to, to keep me A, top of mind, and B, to show them that, like, you know, the type of way I think and to model the best practice of using gratitude as a competitive advantage. So, yeah, that would be off the cuff. That'd be some of my initial playbook strategies. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. You may have heard me in the intro give you a little bit of a taste of the new mastermind that I have coming up. I can't yet reveal some of the awesome stuff that's going to be a part of that mastermind. But if it's something that you are interested in, please feel free to shoot me an email over to Travis at buildyournetwork.co. And I would love to chat with you about it. Have a fantastic rest of your day and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.